Dynasty Kings, football by the numbers. Ain't nothing prehistoric about it. It's the fantasy land before time, man. You did. And we talking about them analytics. Yeah, I dig it. You know them digits, we fit it inside of cells. But thinking outside of the box when we did it, outside prevails. We got eight inside of the box, but we finished plenty to tell. So go ahead and plug in a pot and just listen. It's the Dino Scene. Velociraptors, it takes okay. dilapidated no way. Nope. Man, it's a rap, no debate. Hey. Breaking it down with a dynasty. Yeah. Often reside with a pylons beat. Yeah. Often we talking about dynasty. Yeah. Rocking with read at the times you'll see. Yeah. Out of the pocket online on me. Too much subjective is not for me. It's not for me. I'm rocking with the dynasty. Yeah. Dynasty. Locking the lineup and I don't need. Filming the fables cause finally I got all the facts. No anomaly. Yeah. Let's get it. Y'all reach his T-Rex at best. And I don't mean to go flex. I'm a dinosaurus to death. Yeah. Look, if you dino, you know. Welcome to the Dynasty Kings Fantasy Football Podcast. Jake and Mike, let's ride. All right, welcome to another episode of Dynasty Kings. This is your host at FF underscore Dirty Mike. Just call me Mike, but you can find me on Twitter there. You can also find my work at campusofcan.com. Now, this is episode 18, and today we're going to talk about talent for situation. But first, I want to talk about the Army versus Navy game. If you guys are a consistent listener, you know I'm in the Army. And I just want to say number 34 belongs at Kitchen Duty. That's where he belongs. Can't believe you just gave us two big plays like that. When, like, the whole Military Academy game gets decided by, like, four big plays total. Any, anyway, I'm very upset about it. I'm so upset that last time people were listening that I, I commented that I need water because my mouth gets dry when I talked for too long with no breaks. So I got myself a little cup of bourbon here. So I'm very sorry. Um... I'm very upset. I'm very upset about this whole this whole day so far. J- Jake is Navy. If anybody doesn't know that, Jake is Navy, and so I am. Uh, I'm not excited about this whatsoever. Anyway, we're going to move forward here. Now, I asked the Canvas Canyon guys, I need some ideas for some type of ep- like episode here for Debbie and uh, at well uh, at Sports Fanatic. It's Matt Bruning. If you don't know who Matt Bruning is, you really should get to know him. He's a great guy. Um, does a lot for C2C. He's just great. And he came up with talent first time. Now, I switched it over to talent for situation. But while I was kind of making my notes, I decided that I also want to talk about talent first time. Um, so, yeah. All right. So we're, we're now in the all season of college football. Regular football is still going. So we're not quite at the rookie profile season, but it's upon us. And you'll see some of the guys that are deeper already doing their rankings, already doing their profiles. I'll start doing my profiles here pretty soon too. Um, but generally speaking, the the process for for um, the process for I'm gonna speak for myself, I guess, but like for the community here, the process is um, you know it's pre-draft and then post-draft. Now pre-draft is it should just be based off of talent, right? I I I do my film study, I put in the analytics, and then I make my my uh, my rankings from that. Right. And then pretty much I got to sit and wait until I get to see draft capital. Um, and, and the general rule is that anybody draft at the fourth after the fourth, you just you just kind of don't touch um, like that. Just that's just a general rule. It doesn't always work out that way. There's there's some outliers out there. But for the most part, you don't touch guys outside the fourth round. So moving forward, even today or for this episode, I'm not going to mention guys in the fourth round. Um, and also, um, 
Oh my gosh, I had a, I had a brain fart. Excuse me. Just need to come back to me. Give me one second. Yes, I wanted to make this announcement here too. It, it, it's been a common trend these last couple episodes, but I wanted to make it a trend for this episode as well. Um, I, what I want to do is I want to, I want the point of my content, what I want to do that the industry is not doing is that I want to make dynasty content that is easy for the new dynasty listener to understand. I, I want them to, oh my gosh, pop up. I want them to, um, I, I want to be able to help the, your more casual dynasty manager take his game to the next level. Um, and that's what I'm trying to do here, right? I, I'm trying to go through the growing pains for people and just kind of lay stuff out here. So now also, if you're listening, by the way, I cannot see comments based off of Twitter. So you have to go to YouTube to comment. I very much encourage it because I'm going to need help this episode. I'm going to have a headache because this is a debate that's as old as time. And I, I flip back and forth on it all the time. I'm going to talk through both sides of my, my thought process here. You can create your own thought process as a listener. And if you're one of the Twitter analysts already out there, you already got your process. And I would love to hear your counter arguments to anything I say. But once again, to do comments, you have to go to YouTube and then I'll put your comment right up. Like we'll talk back and forth, absolutely. So now let's get started. Talent versus situation. So I, I went back three years here and, and quite honestly, quite honestly, I, I have not dug deep. I've, I've kind of started out here doing all this stuff about two years ago, right? So I, I went three years back, but as far as my opinion goes after these two years, it was more about like, you know, again, I was the casual dynasty manager where I would just look at the fantasy pros rankings, whatever, whoever was my guy, Mike Clay, maybe, you know, and I just look at those rankings and that's what I went off of. So again, I'll, I'll make some comments about it earlier. So I'm, uh, <laughs> Emma, I, Emma Walters. I, I do not know what VOI stands for. I'm sorry. I'm a little, I'm a little old. I'm not that old, but I need to be a little younger to understand what that is. So if you can tell me what VOI stands for, I appreciate it. Now moving forward here. So I'm, I'm looking at 2021, right? Uh, now I'm going to, I put into three categories here for, well, four categories. We're going to ignore one category, but four categories here. It's good situation with high talent. It's going to be bad situation with high talent. And then we're going to do good situation, but bad talent. So those are these players that you give that mental boost because they're in a good situation. Uh, a very famous example for me in my head right now is Clyde Edwards Hilaire, right? CEH. Uh, Clyde was probably RB5 in my rankings last year. And then after the draft, he became like RB1, right? He, he was tied to a, a high profile, high octane offense. Uh, he's tied to Patrick Mahomes. So I don't know what that means either, Claire. I'm so sorry. But anyway, uh, I'm just gonna keep going forward. Um, I'm moving forward here. Uh, it, and um, I'm losing my train of thought. Anyway, I'm just going to go with a good situation, high talent. That's Najee Harris, right? He's RB1 in the class, pretty universal RB1. He's RB2 for me. I'll go into that process in a second, though. And then Jamar Chase, right? Jamar Chase went to his college quarterback. They're guaranteed to be tied together for four years. Um, he's undisputed wide receiver one. Well, he's undisputed wide receiver one or two, depending on Devontae Smith. And, and he had full confidence going forward. Now, Demarte is killing it this year, absolutely killing it. Um, he's meeting that post-draft expectations that we had. Um, Najah Harris Singh, he's doing exactly what we thought he was going to do this year, and we're all very excited about that. 
So now I'm going to move over to the bad situation, high talent. Now this is where the whole talent for situation comes from, right? Now I'm going to admit that I was wrong on something for, for pre-draft purposes. I was, I was a little bit too deep into analytics. So I was off of one Jalen Waddle and I was off of two Devonte Smith. I didn't have them in my top three for wide receivers. And I was wrong about that. hundred percent wrong about that. Um, now, what I look for when I draft players is that I want that wide receiver two or higher upside. So those are players I look at, and I, I truly believe they can reach those wide receiver two numbers. Now, I didn't believe Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle, based off of analytics, that they could reach that and other factors, and I was wrong. So, again, now this goes into the pro-talent side over situation. So let me get into that. I was fading Devontae Smith because he was tied to Jalen Hurts, right? Jalen Hurts is not a great passer. He's still not a great passer. So I'm not going to argue that on this episode. So to me, Jalen Hurts is not a great passer. And I just I just didn't believe that. I, I didn't I didn't I wasn't fading the talent. I was fading the situation. And that's why I was then lowering him on my rankings and now I'm saying I'm wrong. Because up until about three weeks ago, he's been on a little bit of a dry spell. But Devonta Smith was a wide receiver too for the whole first half of the season, right? So I was wrong. Now, Waddle um, got hurt his senior year. It was supposed to be his breakout year. It was a small sample size. So I was fading him. No breakout age, I believe, um, which is also a really bad indicator. The only wide receiver that's coming to my head right now that doesn't have a breakout age but is excelling the NFL right now is Terry McLaurin. So Terry McLaurin, who we'll talk about in a little bit too, uh, was a unicorn, and it's just absolutely killing the game. So those two guys I put in the bad situation, high talent category. Jalen Waddle goes to Tua, Tua Tagovailo, who up until about maybe probably two weeks ago was constantly getting dumped on for being a poor quarterback, having no future in the NFL, you know, possibly getting traded to the Texans, which is terrible. I'm very sorry that he had to go through that traumatic experience um, to being a, a viable NFL um, quarterback. Like he really is. Like, I, I don't think he's going to be a top 15 NFL talent, but you know, he's obviously he's a startable player. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't think he's a he's a poor NFL talent. I just think the Sims will be capped. But Jalen Waddle's Waddle's having a great year. He is. And and it's only his rookie year. Will Fuller's not out there. Um that went into my thought process too. Uh but Will Fuller obviously hasn't played at all and I should have calculated more into the risk his injury factor because he hasn't played at all for a fractured finger. So again, these are all points for talent over situation, right? These players are beating my expectations because I faded their talent because of the situation. So, again, very sorry about that. So, um, here's some other guys, though. Nico Collins, he's in a bad situation, but I believe in his talent. Rashad Bateman, he's with the Ravens. That's a bad situation, high talent. Now, if you're a Ravens fan, I'm sorry. I just don't – I just like Jalen Hurts, I didn't think Lamar Jackson was a good passer. I don't think he has it, has it in him to become a better passer. And I think I'm wrong now because that Chargers game, he went 37 for 43, and, like, he just killed it. I do think Lamar Jackson has it in him to become a better passer. He's shown some flashes now. But that was the reason why I was fading Rashad Bateman. Rashad Bateman preseason was my wide receiver, too. And post-draft, after I saw he got drafted by the Ravens, he dropped from two, I believe, to, like, five. I, I, I remember having Amon Ra right behind him. So, just compare them in your head as on the raw. I would, I would actually have a hard time deciding which one of those two players I would want on my team in dynasty, which again is wrong with me. I believe that now. I believe that is wrong. Now here's here's the um, here's the kicker. He hasn't done well, right? Injuries, sure. You know, if you want to count, I do count that in my head. 
um, injury profiles. I really do. That is part of my process, but he hasn't been doing too well too lately. So like on my chart here, I have three colors. I got red as an I'm out. Like I'm good. I'm 100% out. I'm not going to trade for them in Dynasty in the near future, at least. I have green on my chart here saying that I'm wrong. These guys had a bad situation, high talent, and they're still performing. Um, and then I have yellow where I'm kind of like, I'm not out yet. Um, the other one is is going to be Elijah Moore. I put him down in the bad situation, high talent. It's a new team, right? The Jets are a completely new team. We have no idea what they are. It's a full shuffle. I, I mean, you know, you can be like, oh, I believe in Zach, Zach Wilson. I believe in uh, Robert Sala. That O-line's looking decent, right? Um, but, again, to me, he was a wide receiver two on a new team. So he was my receiver two. I see with three pre-draft, I see with two post-draft. I really believe in the talent, and, and that one came out on top. I really do. He, he's flashed enough for you to feel good about him in the future. You're not going to trade away this asset. You feel good about it. Rondo Moore and Terrence Marshall are my next two for bad situation, high talent. Terrence Marshall from my wide receiver three, and I believe Rondo Moore was my wide receiver seven going into the year. Now, let me just talk more about Rondo Moore, because I believe <clears throat> that this one, I think, can be pretty relatable. Rondo Moore was a was a great talent coming out, right? He goes to the Carolina, not Carolina, <clears throat> the Arizona Cardinals. And the thing is, for me, the situation that's in my head is that he'll never be the wide receiver one because DeAndre Hopkins is there. He's there for the next, I think, three years. That includes this year. And then you have um, Christian Kirk. You have A.J. Green, right? There's, there's four very viable pass-catching options here. So as far as immediate impact return goes on, I, I'm not holding out hope for, for, for Rondell Moore. And, and he had two big games, I believe, this year. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was two. And that was probably like pretty early on in the season, and so far he hasn't done anything, right? He hasn't, he hasn't really flashed lately. I'm not saying he's going to be a dud of an asset. I just think the upside is severely capped. And then his quarterback, too. This, is again, also goes into my thought process. With shorter quarterbacks like Russell Wilson, uh, Kyler Murray, these um, they are – they're dual threat. Um, they scamper a lot. You know what I'm saying? These, these O-lines kind of crumble around them. I don't think they have the ability to pass over the middle of the field. I don't have data to support this. I think I probably could if I had access to next-gen stats, but I don't. Um, but I, these shorter quarterbacks, I think, again, no, no data here, but I think they have trouble throwing over the middle of the field because of the O-line. You know, they're, they're, they're shorter quarterbacks. They can't get over the six-foot seven linemen, whatever, they reach their hand up. So that's why I think these shorter quarterbacks have to go long. Like they have to go deep more often than other quarterbacks. Russell Wilson slings it all the time for DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And I believe that's probably going to be a part of Kyler Murray's game too. That's not like a hit on their game. I think they're both great quarterbacks. I'm just saying for Rondo Moore, his targets and his upside are cat because he's a slot receiver. I don't think he's going to operate much. He's going to operate mostly through the middle and I don't think those quarterbacks profile well to throw through the middle. So for those guys, I'm kind of out. Terrence Marshall, right? Uh, I think almost everybody probably invested a late first, depending. Actually, I think it does depend on any format. I think everyone probably invested a late first or early second on Terrence Marshall. He has done nothing to prove it, um, his talents. He has done, and, and, and again, it's supposed to be a high talent, right? Everyone had him kind of highly rated in the, in the offseason. And the situation is poor because, one, his quarterback was Sam Darnold, who, if you believed in his upside or his, his comeback, I guess, his, his redemption, I should put it like that. If you believe in Sam Darnold's redemption, so did I for about three, four weeks. 
Um, but again, the situation was he's receiving behind DJ Moore. He's receiving behind Robbie Anderson. So far, only one of those players has been assigned to an extension. And uh, Christian McCaffrey, too, who also demands his own targets. So in my head for this offseason, right, uh, he's probably the fourth receiving option on that team. This is offseason thought process. So that means DJ Moore, number one, CMC is number two, and Robbie Anderson is number three. And then you have number four being Terrence Marshall. That was the thought process. So now I'm going to go back through these guys. That's the situation for me. So it's so Terrence Marshall in a bad situation. Um, then we get into the talent first time, right? Because it's dynasty. It's dynasty football. We have these players for however long I'm on a roster. So a talent versus situation, I was referencing a lot of immediate stuff. That's just one year type of stuff. So if we're looking at two years or three years, right? So Carolina's due for a new quarterback. Um, DJ Moore is not signed to a contract extension. So it's just Robbie Anderson and Terrence Marshall. So as of right now, at this very moment, that door is kind of wide open. Um, rookie quarterbacks don't bode well for, for their receivers. That's that's a study done by J.J. Zacharisa. If you follow him, he's pretty popular. But if, if you don't, he does a very short podcast, throws out his numbers, and like that's the end of the podcast. Very short and sweet. Um, no fluff added there with J.J. Zacharisa. So his study shows that rookie quarterbacks are not good for pass catchers. So again, even next year, let's, let's just say D.J. Moore walks. It's just Robbie and Terrence. Maybe they draft somebody else, maybe they sign somebody else, but whatever. But as of right now, that's the two that's on the roster. Um, they sign a new quarterback as a rookie. Terrence Marshall still won't won't break out next year to me. I mean, the odds are super low. It's a rookie quarterback. It's their first time in the NFL. I mean, Trey Lance isn't seeing the field. Uh, Trevor Lawrence isn't really doing much. The only rookie quarterback right now worth anything is Mac Jones. And again, that's just current, that's just current stuff. So I'm not saying these guys are, are dead to me. But as of right now, that's that's who it is. And and Mac Jones isn't even supporting like oh, okay. Kendrick Bourne is a wide receiver too right now. He's a wide receiver twenty four and a half PPR. But again, I, I think you get my point. These rookie quarterbacks aren't good for fantasy, at least not immediately. So talent versus time is the next argument here. Is is which one of these guys do you believe can improve over time? Jalen Waddle is good, so I'm gonna take him off the list. Like he he is good. He's set for the future. But if we would look at Devontae Smith, right? Jalen Hurts. Is Jalen Hurts going to get better at throwing? I don't think so. I, I truly don't. I think he's fine for fantasy, for NFL. I think he can start. He can be fun. I don't think he's going to win a championship. And I think teams know that unless they, just like the Ravens, where the Ravens took Lamar and they changed their whole team over to Lamar's um, version of play. And that's what they did, which is good on them. So unless the Eagles do that, I don't believe in the future of that whole team whatsoever. But again, I still don't believe in his arm. I still don't. It's two years. I don't believe in his arm. So for me, Devontae Smith is kind of hitting his cap as of right now. I don't I don't see where he's gonna improve unless unless Jalen Wild can figure it out. Jalen Smith Jalen Hurts. Oh my gosh, Jalen Hurts figures it out. Nico Collins is my next one, right? So I, I said about bad situation, good talent. I believe in Nico Collins' talent. Now his quarterbacks are tie, touchdown Tyrod, which is terrible. Davis Mills, terrible. I don't know who's after that. It, it, the whole team is in a rebuild, pretty much. Um, so the question is talent versus time. I believe in the talent. The time is next year. They'll get a rookie quarterback. Do I think that rookie quarterback is going to support a wide receiver two option? Probably not. It's pretty rare. I think it really is. It's very rare for rookie quarterbacks to, to help 
support a wide receiver two talent. So then what, what three years from now? Or two two more years from now? I'm sorry, two more few years from now. So Nico Collins is on the second last year of his rookie contract. That would be his potential breakout year. And and and, and you have to ask yourself, do you want to wait? Right? Do you want to wait for that? Uh Rashad Bateman, same thing for a time. Uh it's the, the Ravens are a pretty young wide receiver core, Marquise Brown, Devin Duvernay. Uh, they're all they're all on their rookie contracts still. I imagine they extend one or two of them. With Sammy Watkins, who they signed, it's a crowd of wide receiver core for a quarterback who doesn't throw too often. And and you have to ask yourself, what's the upside here in the future? Because because we see how he's playing now, like how how it's going now. Excuse me. So I am very concerned about Rashad Bateman's future. So for me. I'm not in on Rashad Bateman. I'm not acquiring him in the offseason. I believe in the talent. I really do. It's just the situation's holding him back. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go into like Latin, like last year's 2020 now. I'm going to skip over 2020. So these are the guys that went into the good situation, high talent category for me in 2020. You have Justin Jefferson, phenomenal talent, absolute stud, killing it for fantasy, killing it in real life, football too. Um, you have Jonathan Taylor, killing it. Very slow to start, but if you wave, if you weathered that storm, you felt good. C.D. Lamb, right, goes to Dak Prescott, um, has Dak Prescott for the near future, and now we know that he has him for the far future. T. Higgins, he gets drafted along with Joe Burrow, the Heisman winner. You felt good about Joe Burrow's talents, and you felt good about T. Higgins, and and you're confident that they're together for four years at the time. So that's a good pick. Um, and then Michael Pittman, right? Michael Pittman had. Philip Rivers, excuse me. And with Philip Rivers, say what you want about Philip Rivers, but he can still support fantasy relevant wide receivers and fantasy relevant running backs. Not the greatest real life quarterback to dump off and short passes, but he still he still supported fantasy relevant players. So again, the talent for situation, all four of those guys hit, right? Michael Pittman is kind of breaking out this year. He was like wide receiver seven at some point in time. Slowed down a bit, sure. I don't know what his rank is right now, but I imagine he's still top 24. Ooh, lost my screen. Justin Jefferson, again, killing it. Jonathan Taylor is a new RB1 in, in fantasy football. CeeDee Lamb is, is up there probably for dynasty. I think mean, he's top five for dynasty. And T. Higgins is going through a roller coaster with the new addition of Jamar Chase, but he is still doing well. Now, here's the... Here's the bad situation, high talent. Here's the debate on talent versus situation. AJ Dillon, right? AJ Dillon was a day two pick. I personally don't believe in him. I think most of the industry does, so I'm on the outside on that one. He goes to a team that has Aaron Jones, who they just signed to a contract extension, right? And then you have uh, Aaron Rodgers. They have Aaron Rodgers, and then it's, it's Devontae Smith. Anyway. The point is, is that he's behind somebody that's already established. So your year one immediate impact, you know, is not going to happen. So if you drafted him in the back end of your second, I'm going to guess, that's where you drafted him. You took him off of upside. You didn't take him because you thought he was going to be a talent out the gate. Obviously not because Aaron Jones is there. That's the situation. So I'm just going to keep going down the line. Cam Akers and DeAndre Swift, right? DeAndre Swift is behind one carry on Johnson who also has second-round draft capital. And then Cam Akers was drafted behind Todd Gurley, and Todd Gurley wasn't yet labeled as dead the way he is now at the time. So those are two guys that had poor situations because they had to beat the starting incumbent receiver, starting the starting running back in front of them. 
and then you had yeah they, they had they had to win their job they had to win their job to keep it the, the writing is on the wall sure but if you were stressing about they're going to win their job or not you probably lower them in your rankings a spot or two and that was a mistake because both of them are studs cam Akers got hurt i got that so that's can't help that but preseason this year he was lined up to be a stud and i think that's pretty much consensus um here are the other guys wide receivers that have bad situations high talent brandon Ayuk, lavisca chanel chase claypool jerry judy and jk dobbins i'm going to focus on jerry judy and jk dobbins here right jerry judy was a top three pick in the nfl for for wide receiver he's a phenomenal talent i i mean his route running is amazing it's so fun to watch but for fans, he hasn't done anything. I got it. He got hurt this year. But Lat, when he got drafted, his quarterback was Drew Locke. Come on, Drew Locke. And then their other quarterback now this year is Teddy Bridgewater. So now we go back to the talent versus time situation. And you're, you're, you're asking yourself, asking your friends, how long do I wait on Jerry Judy until I give up? Because as much as I want to believe in the talent, which I do believe in the talent, when am I going to reap the rewards of that talent, right? Like that, that's the issue, right? It, it, Saquon, I'm going to use Saquon for example right now. Saquon's a phenomenal talent, but for the last two years, he hasn't won you any championships, but he has that league winning skill set. That's, I mean, it's an injury. I, I probably shouldn't have brought it up. That's not a good, that's not a good example. So just going back to Jerry Judy. The, if you're going versus talent versus time, we are now waiting until next year and we're hoping the Broncos sign Either, you know, Aaron Rodgers, um, Russell Wilson just came out as a contender for the starting job. And my wife's calling me. <laughs> just, okay, so I'm going to be in trouble later. Um, Jerry Judy, Jerry Judy talent versus time. So, so again, so so we have to wait. And, and, I, and I think I'm going to speak for everybody here on Twitter. I'm going to speak for everybody that's in fantasy. We believe in Jerry Judy's talent, and we believe in waiting for him. That like, that's That's one of them. The other one here is J.K. Dobbins here. Now I'm going to talk about J.K. Dobbins versus Devontae Williams, which is which is what brought on this honestly this whole this whole entire debate is talent versus time. Is is that well, I'm gonna pull it up. This was tweeted out by Jacob Rickrod. You can find him at Clutch Fantasy on Twitter. Now Devontae has I'm I'm reading this verbatim from a tweet, which which is what kind of sparked the thought process here. I know, I just lost a tweet. Okay, got a tweet. Javante Williams has 17 less carries than J.K. Dobbins had as a rookie. Javante Williams is at 117 attempts, 568 yards, three touchdowns, 27 catches, 193 yards. Now, J.K. Dobbins has 134 attempts, 805 yards, nine touchdowns, 18 receptions, 120. So anyway, let me just let me just focus on this. J.K. Dobbins has over 200 yards more to Javante Williams and has over six more touchdowns to Javante Williams. So J.K. Dobbins is clearly, according to this number set that was put out here, he he is he is um the more efficient runner, right? I mean he's the one. Uh, yeah. So here's the debate: is that J.K. Dobbins is now being hyped up, right? He's being hyped up as probably a top twelve next year. Personally, I'm on that side. I think he's a top twelve next year. Whereas J.K. Dobbins does not get this hype. He doesn't. Uh, I think in the offseason, I had him ranked like RB15, RB16. And and here's the, here's the situation that I looked at. J.K. Dobbins is splitting the field with Gus Edwards and Lamar Jackson, dual-tech quarterback. So he, it's a three-way, it's a three-headed dragon, whereas Javante Williams just has to wait for Melvin Gordon to leave. And, and sorry, that sounds a little bit rude. Melvin Gordon is a phenomenal player. I, I truly believe in him. Um, 
I'm not trying to say that he should be benched because Javante Melvin Gordon's been efficient this year, just as efficient as as Javante Williams. So, whatever. Moving forward, Melvin Gordon's great. He's going to be an asset on the team next year. I really do believe that. Um, he's older, sure. His career is going to come to an end sometime soon, but he looks great for now. So the ta- the argument is Javante versus DK not DK J.K. Dobbins, and why isn't anyone hyping up J.K. Dobbins the way they hyped up Javante Williams. And and it's because of the situation. And I truly believe that. On this one, I really do. I, I will stand my ground on this one. I was wrong about Waddle and Devontae Smith. Sure. I am not wrong about Javante Williams having top five upside, whereas J.K. Dobbins, to me, might barely touch like RB1 numbers. Because the way for me, for, J, for the, the path in my head for J.K. Dobbins to get to RB1 numbers it's just like Aaron Jones. He has to be efficient. He's going to be high. He's going to have limited touches, limited opportunities. And he has to be efficient, which he's going to be. In, in, in my rankings the last three years, J.K. Dobbins is the RB2 in my rankings. Like like his pre-draft rankings, he is RB2 overall the last three years. So I, I believe in more than Javante as far as a prospect. But I believe in Javante's situation far more than I believe in J.K. Dobbins' situation. Um, now, again, if you are listening to this podcast and you just clued in and catch it at the beginning, I cannot see comments unless you go to YouTube. So if you want to put out comments, you want, me to, you want to put out your two cents on this situation, this debate, you can go ahead and go to YouTube and that's where you got to put in your comments and I'll, I'll respond right away. So, yeah, back to J.K. Dawes versus, versus Javante Williams. It, it, in the debate is situation versus talent, and at this point in time, situation trumps talent in this situation. It's it's we've now seen both players for a year. Um, we see the way the teams do play calling, and, and the direction they're going to go, and that's 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 kind of how it goes for me. I, I believe in landing spot. I believe in situation. Um, and and I know the most common argument, which I'm going to right now switch into the 2019 class here, is AJ Brown. AJ Brown was the phenomenal talent in that draft, and he went to the Tennessee Titans, who had a new coach, had a new quarterback. So everyone was fading him because it's just a very mysterious situation. Um, and it turned out for the best. I mean, I mean, AJ Brown is is what he was dynasty wide receiver one in the offseason almost. Definitely dropped down for sure, but he was definitely in the conversation there for a bit in the offseason. Um, and that's why you see a lot of people on Twitter being like, oh, don't don't fade the talent, don't fade the talent. But to me, like it was an open situation. It's a whole new situation, a whole new landscape. And what I didn't know the situation was because it was a whole new situation. Just like Elijah Moore, new quarterback, new coach. AJ AJ Brown, new quarterback, new coach. They're all new together. They all got to figure it out together. It's a gamble, but I'm not fading that situation because of that. Like I don't not believe in the situation. I don't know what to believe. Um, I'm gonna go into more though here in the 2019 class. These were the guys that had the good situation and the high talent. This class is kind of wonky. I'm not gonna lie. So the the other two classes. Uh, 21 and 20 classes, the good situation, high talent category for me, they're all smash hits. And, and yeah, I mean, that's all it is. This class, though, is, is not. For example, Nikhil Harry, second quarterback, second wide receiver off the board. His quarterback is the GOAT, Tom Brady, in New England. And he was supposed to be, I, I'm a Patriots fan, so I loved his highlight tape. I loved watching him play, and I had my own personal bias involved, and I loved the talent. And I love the situation. He's a dud. He's a dud now. He has, he has no fancy relevance. You can find him on your waiver wire. And if you're hoarding him on your bench, I'm I'm sorry. 
you probably have to give it up. I know it's hard because he was a first-round draft pick. He was definitely a first-round draft pick and a high first-round draft pick at that. But he's clogging up your roster because he's he's a dud. The other duds in this class, too, was uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Andy Isabella, Jalen Hurd, right? So J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, he goes to the Eagles, who had Carson Wentz before Carson Wentz turned bad on the Eagles. He just he was, what, one year, two years removed from his um, – MVP run. So they're still believing Carson Wentz as a, as a talent. Andy Isabella goes to the Cardinals. The Cardinals just picked up uh, man, Tyler Murray. And the Jalen Hurd goes to the 49ers with Jimmy G. And they, uh, they also picked up Debo Samuel there, too, by the way. So, again, these, these three guys are supposed to be smash hits, right? You love the talent. You love the situation. Some people didn't love the talent of Jalen Hurts. You could remove that off your head if you want. I'm really here just to talk about the main guys that people really did believe in. I'm not trying to put in my personal rankings. J.J. Arcega Whiteside was an absolute bust. So was Andy Isabella. I mean, they're very much fantasy and NFL um, irrelevant at this point in time. But they landed in the nice spot with a nice situation. They really did. Um, now, the two... the We'll talk about this next week here. This is going to be my preview for next week. The two, the common thing between J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and Andy Isabella is that they are both G5 receivers. Um, Andy Isabella is from UMass and – nope, sorry. Andy Isabella is from Stanford. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is from UMass, University of Massachusetts. Here's the guys who were smash hits. D.K. Metcalf went to the Seahawks late second. Smash hit, right? Deontay Johnson went to the Steelers with Big Ben. Smash hit. Still is. And you don't have to worry about them over time because Russell Wilson was the quarterback for the near future. Same with Deontay. You got three great years out of him. And now here's the category of bad situation, high talent. That's A.J. Brown, we just talked about. Paris Campbell, who turned out to be a dud. His quarterback was not Andrew Luck. Oh, okay, whatever. Andrew Luck was done at the time. And then you had Marquise Brown. Again, I'm kind of fading him relative to his draft count. He was the first receiver off the board. Um, I care about size of my receivers. I think I'm a little bit wrong on that lately. And I think he's great. I think he's great. I don't think he's an actual bust. That's not what I'm trying to say. But I, at the time, I thought it was a poor situation, high talent type of thing because Lamar Jackson was his quarterback. And now, talent first time, I'm going to use Marquise Brown for this example. Marquise Brown is wide receiver 17 on the season, but he was wide receiver one for the first half of the season. He's averaging something like 10 targets a game. That's great. I mean, who would have thought that from Lamar Jackson two years ago? Because I didn't. And he's he's uh, he's getting it now. He's getting the targets. He's getting the numbers. He's fancy relevant. He really is. He's a flex option at this point, but like before, he was like a starting option. Um, now, I do want to talk about one category. This is the good situation, bad talent. I lumped all three years into this before I wrap up. This last year, right? This last year that these guys had great landing spots, but the talent that I hope I hope I speak for everybody when I say this, this last year, Trey Sermon, who had two phenomenal games, but besides that, like, he was a nobody. He went to the 49ers. Great situation. They have an aging quarterback or aging running back, and Raheem Mostert, who's always hurt, so you knew it was just a matter of time. And then Jeff Wilson was the number two guy, and he had a torn meniscus. So he was gone for the whole first half of the year. 
and then they drafted a six round guy and you're like, well, my third round guy got drafted three rounds earlier before the six round guy and they traded up to get to him. So you should feel good about Trey Sermon over Elijah Mitchell. It didn't turn out that way. Elijah Mitchell turned out to be the better talent. Can't argue that. He was probably a better fit for the system, too, because the 49ers like their fast running backs. Matt Breida, Raheem Mostert. Um, I can't remember who the guy was before. Anyway, the 49ers tend to favor the fast running backs rather than the, the built-up tanks. Now, the other two are, are Josh Palmer and Amari Rodgers. Josh Palmer, I thought, was terrible. Never had 500 receiving yards in college. He's a contested catch receiver at that who isn't dominating college, or how is he going to dominate in the NFL if he can't dominate contested catches in college? Four year two, he didn't even hit the analytical markers. He's been in for four years. Goes to the Chargers, who have Mike Williams, one who can't stay healthy, and then Keenan Allen, who's aging. And then they have an emerging an emerging quarterback in Justin Herbert, right? Like who can't who can't love that that uh that landing spot? It's phenomenal. I mean this next draft, I'm also expecting more wide receivers to go to the Chargers, and they're probably going to get a boost in everybody's rankings too because people care about situation. They don't want to say it out loud because they want to sound all official and and like everybody else that says, oh, it's all about the lane, it's all about the talent, not the landing spot. I think it does. I, I think the situation matters. I'm cool with being wrong on some of these. Uh, I'm trying to improve my process each year. And for these guys that I've faded, which – I'm going to use Devontae Smith, for example. He's the Heisman winner. Like, what's my deal? Why am I fading a Heisman winner? I'm wrong on that. Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle was, if you take his small sample size, which is four games, I know I just pooped on uh, Trey Sermons for his small sample size, but Jalen Waddle was uh, was great for four games, um, and then he got hurt. He was he was probably supposed to do a lot better than, than Devontae Smith was that year. He didn't get hurt. I truly believe that. I truly believe Jalen Wild didn't get hurt. Devontae Smith would not have been, won the Heisman, and he would not have been the first round pick, probably, probably third or second. But anyway, moving forward. Um, so Josh Palmer to me was a fade from day one, and I was right about that. Amari Rodgers couldn't separate in college. He's a slot receiver that can't separate in college with the number one quarterback in college. What indicator is there that he's going to be successful at the next level? You can't separate in college, and you can't whatever. You get what I'm saying? There's no indicator there for Amari Rodgers to go to the next level besides that he went to the Green Bay Packers, who has Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball around. And Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest there probably was the last the last 10 years. So, again, good situation, bad talent. So, what I'm trying to say is always fade bad talent. I'm going to go to the bats. The, 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 I'm going to talk for you about this category. The bad situation, bad talent. Good areas, Tony. A lot of analysts tend to believe in him. A lot of people don't believe in the team, the Giants, for obvious reasons. He's not fantasy relevant. He had one great game, sure. So I think he's alive. Um, but as of right now, I'm not regretting my fade at all. I own zero Kadarius Tony. My two teams that I did, I traded him for a 23 second, and I traded him for a, I traded him both for 23 seconds. And I feel great about it. I still do. Um, Anthony Shorts, speedster out of Auburn on a team that likes to run first and they already had two established five receivers already there. So he's at best a third wide receiver option on a run first team. I'm good. Pass. Two, two at well. No idea why he win the second round. That team has a crowded wide receiver core. That's the Rams. I'm good. Deami Brown. I'm in the minority there. I didn't believe in the talent when I watched this. I understand that analytically he hits a lot of bullet points. I get that. When you watch his tape, it's the same route. Um, it's the same way he catches over the back shoulder. 
and that's the only way he knows how to win. And I get it, he had the highest vertical in the draft. But when you watch his actual college tape, you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't go vertical. He doesn't jump up to get the ball. So I don't really care about his vertical in the draft, or in the combine, sorry, in the combine. So, again, faded him. I'm not feeling bad about that at all. Because Terry McLaurin, they paid him. They paid Curtis Samuel. I am I am 100% good on Danny Brown, and I don't feel bad about whatsoever. He's not even getting on the field. They have Adam Humphreys. I'm good. I'm good. Now, if I go to the next year's options, this is where I get a little wrong. This is the bad situation, bad talent. I didn't believe in Van Jefferson. I didn't believe in Lynn Bowden, and I did not believe in Devin Duvernay. Now, I'm good on the other two. Van Jefferson looks great. He really does. Um, he's clearly the third option on a high-passing volume offense. Um, well, he's going to be the fourth option once Robert Woods comes back, but all those guys are kind of aging. I think – I don't have the ages off the top of my head, but I know Woods is over 28, and I know Odell Beckham's over 29. So, again, that's going to be a talent versus time situation thing, and I think, I think if you – are patient on Van Jefferson, you're going to reap the rewards later on, especially if one of them gets injured. I'm not hoping that at all. I'm just saying if they get injured, Van Jefferson is, is a great start on a high-passing offense. Now, here's the good situation, bad talent for me in 2020. Uh, CEH, right? I already talked about him. Uh, Henry Ruggs, Jalen Rager, KJ Hammer, Denzel Mims, Brian Edwards. They're all irrelevant now. These are all guys that didn't touch any of my fantasy teams because I'm going to tell you why. Their situation sucked, and I didn't believe in their talent. Um, Henry Ruggs, I didn't believe in his talent relative to what everyone else believed in. He was still in my top ten. He just wasn't, like, top five for me. I feel like he was top five for a lot of people. So you can go ahead and take that one off because that's not consensus. That's not how most people feel. But Jalen Rager, right? Jalen Rager was definitely getting boosted up by fantasy pros. The fantasy pros definitely like Jalen Rager a lot. I remember that. Um, KJ Hamler was a, a mid-second round pick. Denzel Mims was getting that hype from being that like raw athletic profile. Denzel Mims is about to lose a job. KJ Hamler is like the fourth option on his team, maybe the fifth. And Brian Edwards, even though everyone on that team is gone except for Hunter Renfro, who's a fifth-round prospect from Clemson and four years into a league, he still can't. He still can't get targets. He still can't get it done. And make all the excuses you want for these guys not succeeding. The point is the situation was bad. I didn't like the talent personally, and I think most people didn't really like their talent either. As in, like, they didn't put him in their top ten. I'm not saying these guys were undraftable in your rookie drafts. I'm just saying no one invested serious draft capital in these players. And it worked out really well for them because these guys are irrelevant, and that's it. Um, now, I am going to talk about 2019 here for a second, the bad situation, bad talent. I put Miles Boykin and Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin was definitely under the radar. Um my personal radar. And again, like I said earlier in the podcast, I didn't dive deep into dynasty football until about two years ago. So I didn't dive, in, dive deep into the 2019 class, but clearly that's a hard miss if I was an analyst back then. Because Terry McLaurin is, is great. And then again, talent versus time. The talent's there and he's relevant. And he, if he just gets a good quarterback, like let's say Aaron Rodgers goes to the Washington football team, which I don't think I have him, but. Well, let's just say it does. Everyone's going to rank Terry McLaurin top 12, and no one's going to argue it. I'm not going to argue it. So, again, talent versus situation. I think situation matters. I think I'm just going to put this in conclusion. In conclusion, put it all together. Everyone should do their rankings based off of talent. You put in your analytics or don't put in your analytics, but whatever. Do your process before the draft, and then the situation is then going to dictate that bump up or that bump down. Clyde Rezilera is my RB5. He was bumped up to RB1 because of his situation. He was tied to 
Mahomes, his high-profile offense, and I was wrong. I was wrong. And I was very fortunate because I only had two shares of Clyde, and I traded him for Dalvin Cook in one league, and I traded him for DeAndre Swift straight up in another league. So very fortunate that I didn't have egg on my face on that one. And I was wrong about that because my top two pre-draft were J.K. Dobbins and then Jonathan Taylor, and then my number three was DeAndre Swift. Number four was Cam Akers. But any one of those three guys after him would have been a much better option. And then there's the guys that I think have bad talent but land in a good situation. And I, I've nailed those. I think I think I think that's a point also for the, the talent argument. Trey Sermon, Josh Palmer, Amari Rogers, like they're not going to be relevant anymore. Henry Ruggs is well, that's that's a legal matter, but Jalen Rager, KJ Hamler, Denzel Mint, Brian Edwards. No one's going to talk about them anymore, and rightfully so. We're, we're off those guys. The, the talent's not there. The situation was good. Um, anyway, so that's that's all I got for talent versus situation. Now, talent versus time is that you're picking these guys up, and you're hoping that that quarterback that has a one-year contract left over, that quarterback that whatever, you believe in that two-year window that they're going to come out on top. Like that, That's what you have to look at. That's what I look at is in two years, can the landscape of this team change to the point where I now have a fantasy-relevant player? It's dynasty, sure, but I'm a little impatient, so I want my players to be relevant within two, one to two years, maybe three. But one to two years is kind of where I'm at. So Jared Judy is a good example of that. Ultimate talent, horrible situation. He hasn't really been fantasy startable lately, that's for sure, with Teddy Bridgewater and you're hoping that he gets a really good quarterback next year. So I hope this cleared this up for you guys. I'm taking a drink of bourbon right now. Give me a sec. Oh, man. That's good stuff. This concludes it, man. This concludes my, my podcast here. I know I didn't put out anything inclusive for you guys. Uh, for me, it's talent, and then I use situation to rank the talent. And then my third process, and then is then using time over that back end group of guys. So talent is number one for me, situations like a one B, and then time is number three. That's that's kind of how it goes for me. All right, anyway, <laughs> I can talk in circles about this all day. We've already been on here for too long, it's 46 minutes. I really want to thank everybody for being here. My next podcast, my next Debbie Friday, which we're on a Saturday today, so we almost made it, yeah. We almost made it to having a Debbie Friday on a Friday. My next podcast is going to be about G5 receivers. I want to talk about – I just want to talk about everything G5 related. Uh, so, again, thanks for the listening, guys. Thanks for, for coming out here. Thanks for the comments out there. Um, hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope to see you guys next week. See you guys later.